Welcome into the first episode of the Bush League podcast, where hot takes and arguments are required. My name is Joel Penfield, and my co-host on this show is professional thrower of baseballs, Trey Cobb. He's a Mets pitching prospect. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's a great night in America. we got playoff baseball, NBA starting, college football's in full swing, and so is the NFL. Yeah, not such a great night for the Celtics, though. Oh, man, that's that was a tough injury for Gordon Hayward. I can't imagine that. First night in the uniform, too. Yeah, they had all those high hopes. They still made it a close game at the end with Cleveland, but you know that Kyrie and them were hoping to kind of yeah. stick it to them early, and then they lose, you know, their super, well, what's going to be their superstar signee mm-hmm. before Kyrie came, and, uh, you know, they're looking to those two guys to be the faces of the franchise, and you lose one of them so early, it's going to hurt, but hopefully for them, he can be back for the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, tough, a fractured ankle. That's a tough injury, but if we're being completely honest, I mean, this is the first episode, it's all to say now. I can give a rip about the NBA. Uh, there's zero parody. I don't care if that's the Thunder sign, Paul George, McMillan, Anthony. I'll go to a game because it's fun, but I don't care. It, just call me when the finals are over, when it's either the Cavs or the Warriors. <laughs> that's the end of it. <laughs> you, you can just sign it off now. Yeah, Celtics will, Celtics will probably make the playoffs with Marcus Smart playing five positions in the <laughs> No kidding. Just playing first that first team all defense. <laughs> all right, well, let's, might as well just hop right in to uh, NBA playoffs, or not NBA, MLB playoffs here. Um, we got the Astros and the, Yan- and the Yankees finished up again today. Their game four series is tied now at two, and the uh, Dodgers are currently beating the Cubs, and they're about to go up 3-0. Now, I, at the beginning, I really thought these were two uh, two series that really could go seven, but that really doesn't look good right now. I don't even know if the Cubs are going to be able to get out of five. No, I mean, it really seems like the Dodgers just took the took the plan that the Cubs used last year to beat them, and were like, oh, let's implement that. You know, like the Cubs beat us with a good bullpen and great clutch hitting. So the Dodgers said, okay, well, let's, you know, I mean, they didn't go get great clutch hitting. They just called up these rookies out of nowhere that are just smashing the ball. And, but they went and got spent all the money in the bullpen. And then, you know, they're the Dodgers, so they never run out of money, so then they go get Darvish. Unlimited bull, unlimited payroll, it seems like, at least. And so once you have your bullpen like that, there's just no hope. I mean, you get down early in those games, it's over. And, you know, so the, the Cubs had that last year, but now Strope's not the guy that he was. Rondon's not the guy that he Carl was. Carl Edwards can't throw strikes. He okay. actually just walked you Darvish in with the bases loaded. Edwards was dominant all season and then gets in the playoffs and can't pitch. And then my, Montgomery was good all year, gets in the playoffs, can't pitch. I mean, you know, it was, it was one of those years where the Cubs struggled all, all year. And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't struggle, like, not, not going to make the playoffs struggle, but it wasn't the the talent that the roster has you know that should be a hundred game winning talent and it absolutely wasn't. yeah it's it's a tough right now for the cubs because they were hitting all season long even the schwarber was struggling still had 30 tanks but now i mean he's not doing anything no one really is for that team they're trying to rely too much on their pitching and their pitching's fantastic but that can only take you so far i i firmly believe that pitching is going to win you games and win you championships saw that with the giants we've seen that with the royals and their bullpen but it only goes so far you need that clutch hitting as well and they're not they're not getting that but I think they, they really should have won game two. I mean, I, I think it was absolutely asinine for Joe Madden to not throw away Davis in the ninth inning. That was one of the worst decisions I've seen from a manager in the playoffs ever. And I've, I've always hated the, some of the unwritten rules of baseball, and that's one of them is you don't bring in your closer on the road if you don't have the lead. And I don't understand that because there's situations where, like, this is the ball game, right? So, like, ninth inning, runners on base, that's the ball game, and especially since they just pinch hit for their closer, Kenley Jansen. He's out of the game, so like you know you're not going to get him again. And 
So pitch Wade Davis there, then bring in Lackey in the 10th, and then see how long it can go. If you lose that game and Wade Davis gets you out of that spot, then that's fine. But don't let Kenley Jansen beat you on the mound and then not get a chance against somebody else. Yeah, I think John Lackey, I think his career ERA at the bullpen is somewhere right around six or something like that. So, I, And for not ever being in that position during the season to throw him in a huge game like that with the middle of the order for the Dodgers lineup coming up, that was a horrible decision. I'm from the school of thought that you, you know, I understand you know some guys are better in certain innings, but man, you could throw away Davis in any inning, and you need to put your relief ace and your best pitcher in in the key moment. And we've seen we saw that with Andrew Miller last year in the playoffs. We've seen that so far with all the bullpenning stuff, throwing Verlander in the fifth inning. You know, we saw Sale come in for five innings. We've seen teams that have you know thrown their best pitcher in the third inning because their starter can't get out of it. But this is a situation where you have Justin Turner coming up. Why not put Wade Davis in right there? I don't think that he gives up that home run. Yeah, he may give like a little bloop single or whatever. You live with that. But when you have John Lackey throw a pipe shot two-seamer right down the middle of the, one of the best hitters in baseball, it's not going to end well. That To me, that was almost a series right there. I'm so confident you know, that the Cubs can come back. But with the way they're playing right now, it would not surprise me if this series doesn't go back to L.A. Yeah, and, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. Absolutely, and, you know that's that's one of those things that 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 has every every podcast has that you know like well they should have done this they should have done that that's like you know the bleacher coaches right like yeah. those guys like why are we running the ball why aren't we throwing the, the ball quarterbacks yeah. why are we throwing the ball you know it's like okay well if it would have worked you wouldn't have said anything and but that was one of those things where I felt like I could I could uh, say something about it because as soon as he came in I was like what are we doing. It wasn't like, oh, let's see if this works. I understand it. He can come back in in the tenth, and then no, it's just like immediately. It was what we, it was Zach Britton all over again. It's like, I, what what's going on? I saw him come out of the bullpen, and I went, "This isn't going to end well." And then it didn't. <laughs> I watched that ball off the bat, like, and that's gone. But shout out to the fan that caught that ball. Yeah, that was second. amazing. That was, that was the play <laughs> of the game. Yeah, that was amazing. That was the most exciting part of the whole game, right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Guy leans over the rail and catches it. And then you see Justin Turner post a picture on Twitter with the game ball. Yeah, I got to give it back. I guess uh, the guy caught Justin Turner's home run last year, too, or something like that. Really? Yeah, and guys, I think it was game three of the championship series. The, guy, the same guy caught a Justin Turner home run. But now, I guess, shifting gears to the Yankees and Astros series. The Yankees are back in it, and I thought they were going to be dead to rights. I really thought the Astros were going to be able to dominate this series. Just because, the you know, the Yankees haven't really been able to hit. I think they used up all their – I thought they were going to use up all that, their energy – in the Indian series, you know, they had to come back from down two to, to win that series. And Aaron judge is, yeah, I think he went two for three tonight. I think that was his first multi-hit game of the postseason. If he can cut his strikeouts down, he's the difference maker for the Yankees. And as much as I hate to admit it, because I absolutely despise the Yankees with every fiber of my being, <laughs> I, I always have, but if he can cut his strikeouts down, the, they could win the series. They could yeah. come back and win it. I mean, I don't the, want to see it, but they could. The thing is that that series is so opposite what you're watching in the NL. It's who's going to outslug the other one, because the Astros have two good starters. They have Charlie Morton who throws a hundred but doesn't know where it's going. And so, you know, yesterday you texted me. You know, that's unfortunate. Makes a good pitch. It's like, yeah, it was a good pitch, but the catcher set up inside. Yeah, he missed a spot by two feet. It's a good pitch, but they're trying to go inside because Todd Frazier hammers the ball away. So they're like, okay, we're not going to throw anything out there. And then he yanks one over there, and he floats it out there. And he yeah, can, I mean, and if, you look, if you look at Charlie Morton, at least throughout his career, he's never thrown this hard before. Right. I don't know where it came from, because two years ago he was throwing 91 at the most. I just aver- he was hitting maybe 93, 94 every now and then, but not 97 or 98. He's hitting that consistently now. So have you seen anything, like any difference in mechanics, or what is it? Because 
or some guys can just tap into that sometimes. I, I don't know. It's kind of like Joe Kelly. Yeah, for, I mean, I follow, I follow one of my favorite followers on Twitter is the Pitching Ninja. And so he okay. breaks down like all these pitchers' mechanics. And he actually broke down Charlie Warden's today and he showed his Pittsburgh mechanics. And he's, you know, flying open with his front side and he's, you know, he's landing. He's, he's basically what he's doing is not generating all the power that he can from his hips, upper body, lower body. And then he did side by side with the Astros. He's maximizing his body now. His he's closed up. He deliver. He's delivering the ball downhill. He's closer to the home plate when he finishes his pitches. I mean, and that thing it just took off for him. And looking at those side by side things, if you guys have a chance, go look at the pitching ninja because if you have any interest in pitching or baseball, he posts stuff all the time, and and it's really awesome. I wish that someone could break down my mechanics. I maybe wasn't throwing seventy two miles an hour as a senior <laughs> in high school, but you know. Back in those days, <laughs> but I, I I think the Astros just have too much good pitching in this series because I mean they it's going to go game five and then you can throw who do who do you throw in game five? I mean, I mean I don't know. It, it's it's game go five is, game five is such a momentum shifting game. Yeah, that you think you know. I, I can't remember who threw game one. I think it was Keuchel. It was Keuchel. I think I think you, you throw bring Keuchel. Keuchel back because you can't let the Yankees go up three two. Because it's yeah. not going to happen with all that tradition, all that history. You know, they're on a roll. Yeah. They won three in a row at that point. It's that's that's no that's yeah. no good. You have to stop the bleeding yeah, right you, now. And pitch you want to win guy. game five. I, I would throw Keiko in game five because then you have that lead. And even if you lose game six, then you're not that worried because then I would throw Verlander game seven. I'd almost bullpen game six if it gets to that point because I mean you throw you know I would throw like maybe McCullers for two or three innings. Even though we threw tonight, you throw him for two or three innings and you go like. Smith, Davinsky, Giles, you know, and that, you know, just throw throw four or five guys there, see what happens, because it's, it's shown that it's worked in the postseason. Yeah, that's something you have to do. If you, you have to get game five, and if once you get game five and you get that, that 3-2 lead, it opens up so many possibilities. You can you can almost tank game six out of the pen and say, hey, if we out-hit them today, then great, we did it, and we, we don't have to play game seven. But you don't throw any of your, you know, shutdown relievers no. unless you get a lead. You you're just like, okay, this guy's gonna throw two, three. This guy's gonna throw two. Almost do it like a schedule, right? Like a rainout game. Like you treat it mm-hmm. like that. And if the offense out hits them, then great. But you want to get to that game seven where it's, you know, your guy on the mound, Verlander. Yeah, and no, work that with would that probably bullpen. be probably be a Verlander Severino game seven. That would be that's gonna be another two one game or something like that. Oh yeah. Where it's gonna be just that who can make who makes the mistake first. And that's what it's come down to. And if it gets to that, I trust Verlander. Even though he hasn't pitched in the postseason in a while, the the dude's a stud. And he just looks revitalized pitching for a team that actually is in the postseason and contending. And I I definitely think Houston, if it goes to seven, will win that series. But crazier things have happened. So I'm interested to see how this goes. This is shaping up to be a really good series, a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And now let's go into AL and NL MVP debate, along with the Cy Young as well in both. So let's start with the AL MVP. For me, it's Jose Altuve. I think he's a slam dunk here. I think think we're in agreement on that. I mean, I don't see any way you can't give it to him. The dude leads every category. I mean, nobody else is going to hit 350 with – you know, 25-plus tanks, stealing bases, playing amazing defense. Yeah. It, it, it's not going to happen. And, you know, it's his, it's his third batting title in, I think, five years. Something like that, yeah. It, yeah. It's insane. And, 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 you know, Aaron Judge hit all the home runs. That's great. It's, you know, maybe, maybe he'll have his MVP year. I, I personally think that he's going to end up like a Bautista, somebody we don't hear much of in a couple of years once people start to figure out how to pitch to him better. Yeah. Um, 
I think that the AL MVP race is going to be Trout and Altuve for the next five years. I, I agree. Um, and I think the only reason why Trout's not even in it right now is because he got hurt. Yeah. Because I think he still hit 37 home runs or something like that in 117 games. Imagine if he played that full season, if he played 159 games. I think he'd be a slam dunk MVP. Yeah, and I mean he still and he still has the campaign going. Yeah, and it's I, almost like he's so underrated, but he's overrated at the same time. Because, but can he be overrated? Because he's no, that good. He can't. He's the best. On, on, honest to God, he is the best player I've ever seen. But at that, least in my lifetime, he is. But is that our take? Because he's so because he's so overrated. Is he like the best player I've ever seen? How much do we watch him? Because he's on the West Coast. I watch him every time he comes up to bat. He's yeah. he's he's one of those guys that he's must see TV whenever he comes up to the plate. Because you you don't know if he's going to hit a ball you know, 450 feet to left field, or he's going to shoot one in the gap and get a hustle triple. Yeah, so you know, he's, he's just such a fun player to watch, and it's unfortunate that his career is being wasted in L.A. right now. I know, I'm, a, I'm a must-see-the-back-of-my-eyelids guy when Trout's hitting. I mean, it's 1130 at night when he's up, and, <laughs> yes. and I'm an NL guy. I'm an NL Central guy. I grew up a huge Cubs fan. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I watch all those games, see all those people all the time, you know, and then I never I just never see the Angels. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, be one of those things. I, I would really like to watch Trout more, but I, I'm so tired. It's 11 o'clock at night. I got better right. things to do than to watch the Angels play the Mariners. You know, hey, and, you're talking about Mariners fan here. Watch <laughs> out. But no, I think I mean I'll TV slash line 346-410-547. You know, that's an OPS of 957. League average is 750. For those who don't know, and he only struck out 12 percent of the time. That's a way below league average. And yeah. Stay, you know, Judge hit 52 bombs. Like, that's you do that in the show, you're doing something right. But he struck out 208 times. Yeah. I don't care that you walked 100 times. <laughs> that's great. You, you know, you, you took your play discipline, but man, 208 times. Is that the, I mean, that's the modern baseball player now. You, you'll take the 200 strikeouts if you hit 50 home runs, which I hate. <laughs> I hate that. I want somebody that gets on base, is consistently going to get on base. Yeah, you'll, you know, jump the yard every now and then, but you're a table. I mean, he's a three hitter that's a table setter. Which is just something you don't see anymore. You see your three hitters hitting 280 with 35 home runs. You know, you rarely are seeing a three hitter that hits 346. That's a leadoff guy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and all and go staying with the AL. I think that we're in agreement with the Cy Young. I know it's really boring, but I mean, there's no debate. It's I mean, there's the sale debate with Kluber, but I mean, Kluber had better numbers all across the board. And, yeah. I mean, sale sale beat him in strikeouts. Yeah, and, no, this, and we're both in agreement that it's Corey Kluber. But there's this is not discounting the fact that Chris Sale had three hundred and three hundred and ten strikeouts or something like that. For the yeah, year. he had a, he had a fantastic year, but it wasn't the best year in the American League. No, because l- listen to this one: Corey Kluber in the second half. You know, he had a pretty he had a really good first half too. But his second half, like the nickname the Klubot, like that's exactly what he was in the second half. He had a one point seven nine ERA and one hundred forty two strikeouts in one hundred ten innings, twelve walks. <laughs> Stupid. That's absurd. Stupid. Can't imagine that. That's not fair. And he held uh, hitters to a 526 OPS, which is your on-base plus slugging. And for perspective, league average is 750. So he held you know 230 points under league average in OPS. No one was hitting the ball hard, and no one was getting on-base on him either. And even and the, we're saying he's going to win something despite the two, three, and a third inning outings in the, po- in the postseason against the Yankees. Yeah. I think that shows how head and shoulders above everybody. And and another thing that's taking a taking effect too is those uh, the riders don't count the postseason. No. And so all their votes are already in. They just have to wait. Right. And so you know as much as that enhances our argument, where it's yes. like, oh well, this guy should win it because he's a postseason clutch guy. But you know the riders, it's a regular season award, so the riders are already done. But let, let's move on to the NL. I mean, 
I think we we disagree on both of these. Yes. Um, and you're a Scherzer guy. You, you love you love Scherzer in the NL. Yeah. Um, he dominated. I think he deserves it. But man, Clayton Kershaw is a different animal. And uh, he only I mean, he got hurt, missed some of the year, but he only threw, I think, twenty less innings. Something like Scherzer. that. Okay. Okay. Um, over the year, but uh, everybody everybody hates the win, right? Like, yeah. That everybody's ready to get rid of that statistic. I'm, I'm a kill the win guy for right? sure. Like there's kill the win guys, but. I'm kill the win guy. I'm gonna kill the win guy for the bullpen. Keep the win for the starters. Okay. Because I think that shows something. So like, so Kershaw, Kershaw doesn't lose, and it says something to where no matter what your team does, that like, so what 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 I take the the win stat is the how well do you have shut down inning stat. When your team goes out and scores two, if you go out and give up two. And you yeah. throw the rest of the game, and you're like, okay, you know what? He threw seven innings, gave up two runs, and got a loss. Like, Quality start. Like, are yeah. you kidding me? He got a loss, gave up two runs in seven innings. But he didn't have that shutdown inning his team needed. And Kershaw always does that. Like when yeah. you're, when, And when you watch the Dodgers and when he plays, if they score one, that, that's a zero the next inning. Every single time. And and, and Scherzer, Scherzer's good, too. I mean, it, it's a definitely valued argument. I think it's going to be the closest race. Um, besides the NL MVP, I mean, I don't think anybody has. Wait, really, we got, that's a whole different animal. Yeah, anybody really second. has a clue. But um, I, Kershaw's a robot. I mean, I would give this award to Kenley Jansen if I could. I, I I'm waiting for the day when we get a reliever that wins Cy Young because I think it's coming. I really think. I think the bullpen revolution is on its way. You know, I we we've seen it in the postseason. It has worked. I think that I think the days of the you know set you know the 200 inning starter are going away. And the 300 inning starter, you know that that's been gone for a while. You know, guy hit guy hits 200 innings, we're like, dang, that's a really good year. But you know, 50 years ago, that's like, man, that's pathetic, because it was almost insulting when you had to go to the bullpen. Now it's like, oh, I'm gonna give it to a guy that just shuts down seventh, eighth, ninth game over. Because you, I think, and I really think the bullpen revolution, yeah, it maybe started in you know in the 70s with Eckersley and all that. The bullpen revolution started in 2014 with the Royals. They turned those games into six inning games. And, I, and I'm from Kansas City. I lived there. That was my senior year of high school, and I watched every game during the summer. And one, if the starter could get through seven innings, Royals put three runs, game over. It, it was it was done. You give it to Herrera in seventh, Davis in the eighth, Holland in the ninth, done. Now, that's the way to do it now. I mean, it's – And, well, and the, the thing is, starters is, are okay with that. Like, it's, it seems like they don't care. Like, oh, I wanted to go into the eighth inning. It's like, well, you've got a guy with a .6 ERA that can just shut guys down by the bottom of the order. It's like, whatever. You know, it seems like they – it almost seems like starters are almost going to it now. No, yeah, I mean that's the thing is is starters love it. So every every pitcher, you know, every pitcher wants a ball, and but every pitcher also has that same amount of relief when you've thrown well and they said good job, your day's over. You know, you might be like, oh, I wanted to go out for the seventh, but you're like, you know, I threw six innings, give up one run, I'm in line for yeah. the win. Ah, this is okay. And yeah. you know, those that's what those guys get. They know when they're leaving the game with a lead, it's a win because those three guys are back there. And I mean, you saw the Yankees do that. You saw the Cubs attempt to do it, yeah. um, and uh, you know I, I think that yeah I think that's the way of the future too. But let's go to uh, NL yeah. MVP. Yeah, I know, yeah I know like we, I said, I'm a Scherzer guy just because I mean he he's been 200 innings every year. He's he'll give you six or seven innings every night. He'll give you 10 or 12 strikeouts. And when he's when he's on, you can just see in the second inning like oh we're not going to hit this guy today. And I mean it's same thing with Kershaw, but I think. I would be a Kershaw guy if he was healthy the whole year. This is the second year, second or third year in a row that he's had DL stints. And yeah, Scherzer maybe had it at the end of the year, but he missed one start. Kershaw missed three or four. 
Like to me, like those three or four starts just make the difference for me. But you know, if either guy gets it, I won't be upset because I love watching both of them go. Yeah, NL MVP. All right, give me yours first. I'm I'm curious where you're at here because I know we're in two different directions in this one. All right, so I'm I'm all for guy that nobody's talking about. I don't see him on any of these lists or anything, and I just think people are just missing him. Everybody's talking about Arenado. He didn't even have the best year on his own team. Are you on Charlie Blackman here? I love Charlie Blackman. Oh man. Uh, okay, Charlie Blackman strikes out a lot. Who cares? That's not where I'm going here. If you look at his stats, I mean, obviously the course field debate here. He hits like 400 at home, right? He's hitting 260 on the road. Now, 260 is still not bad, but when you have that big a disparagement, to me that's tough to give it any give any sort of credence to an MVP type year. Yes, he had a hell of a year, and I'm not discounting that, but man, I can't go with I can't go with Blackman. At least Aaron Arenado's splits are a little bit closer. Obviously, anybody's going to hit better in that park. You you can hit, take a below average shortstop, and it will still hit twenty home runs there. But I, I just I don't know. I can't go with Blackman. I love watching him play. The mullet beard combo is amazing. But man, I, See, I, I just, think that's I just what can't gets do me. It. I love I love the beard, and I mean, the, he hit thirty three bombs out of the leadoff spot. One hundred and six RBI. Thirty seven. Thirty seven bombs with like over hundred out of the leadoff spot. Hit three three thirty one. I mean, the dude. Poorly attempted to steal bases was like was like <laughs> yeah. twelve for twenty four stealing bit, but like so, and that's another thing is there. I know there's all these statistics to prove it and everything about Coors Field, but I I don't think that that's as much of a difference as everybody says it is. They do so much for that ballpark to keep that in the same thing. They have like the I don't even know what they call it. It's like they like desensitize the balls when yeah. they play there. And so it's not they don't use the same ball as everybody else. Like it's in like a pressure chamber, and so the ball like doesn't travel as well. The fences are like three fifty five down the lines, and the ball flies out like it's Yankee Stadium. And the Stadium. ball still flies out, and so like they're doing everything they can there to to keep that you know intact in and fair. But the problem is when you make the the reason Coors Field such a hitter's park isn't necessarily that the ball flies out; it's that they've had to move the fences so far back to make it fair. That there's so much outfield room, yeah. and so people just hit doubles all day. But I mean, I think that really, I just picked Charlie Blackman just to argue with you, <laughs> um, you know, because I, I. But if you're gonna give it to Arenado, give it to Charlie Blackman. Yeah, and, and that's I actually my got a, I got a point here, a sec. So here's my guy, and this is a guy that people aren't talking about either because he played for a crap team and he has for pretty much his entire career, with the exception of a couple seasons. Joey Votto. Joey Votto is easily the most patient hitter in baseball. And he is the and he's the most effective hitter in baseball, at least in my opinion. And that's not a knock on Jose Altuve, who is the best hit for average guy. That they're two that's two different types of hitters to me. Joey Votto knows the strike zone better than any other hitter I've ever seen. <laughs> when you have a, a zero for zero game with five walks, you're doing something right at the plate. And people have been, you know, ragging on him for years, like, oh, he, you know, he's too selective. He's, you know, he's taking too many walks. He's not, he's not driving in runs. And then he goes and hits thirty six home runs with one hundred and seven RBIs for a team that lost nearly hundred games. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I watched Votto my whole, like, my whole childhood. You know, being a Cubs fan, um, he would be the most boring MVP to ever win it, and the weirdest. He's already, and he's already done it. And the weirdest, yeah. I mean, he's he's so quirky and just he's just a weird guy, and. Um, there, there's. I was talking to uh, 
Matheny, Luke, and he said that uh, it was like Votto played some prank on Rizzo at, at the All-Star game, and it was like the weirdest, like, like Greg Maddox used to like, you know, like be yeah. the weirdest guy in the clubhouse. Like, uh, I think Pat McAfee was talking about that the yeah. other day. He was like, there's like the guys that are crazy on the field and then like nothing in the clubhouse. And there's like Greg Maddox who's like calm on the field but then like pees on everybody's clothes. <laughs> like, right? Like, yeah. And it was something like that. Like, he peed on somebody or something just weird. And honestly, he bought Zach Cozart a donkey. Yeah, <laughs> ever, he's a weird dude. But ever man, since then, I'm just like, this is the weirdest guy in the big leagues. And he just, <laughs> even the way he hits is weird. Like, I mean. Still not as weird as Hunter Pence. Yeah, not as not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's the left-handed hundred pence to me, but he he's way better. Yeah. But he's the left-handed hundred pence to me. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think the biggest one when you have a walk rate higher than your strikeout rate in the this day and age of baseball, you're doing something right. He has a 19 percent walk rate compared to 11 percent strikeout rate. He had a lower strikeout rate than Jose Altuve, who's probably gonna be the AL the AL MVP. And when he made, con- I mean, I, I looked up all these, you know, ridiculous stats, you know, because I'm, you know, big into that on fan graphs. You know how many times Joey Votto's popped out into the infield in his career? Six times. He did it once this season. He had, he's had three seasons in his career where he hasn't done it at all. Man, I'm sure he threw his bat over the stadium <laughs> when he did that too. Yeah, I mean, like, I've, I saw his spread chart, like, he's popped out, like, in foul territory. But in the, in, in the field of play, he popped out to the infield once this year. He did it six times in his career. And when he made con- and when he makes contact, he's making contact harder than almost anyone in baseball. So he's waiting for his pitch. When he gets it, he ropes it. Jeez. And he he may be kind of a dead pull hitter because they shift him that way. But man, get out of the way when he hits it. <laughs> yeah. Sp- speaking of popping, Buffett's Candies, right, <laughs> has the best popcorn I've ever had in my life. And so go to go to buffettscandies.com. Uh, former pitcher at Oklahoma State, Tyler Buffett. I mean. Preseason All-American, postseason All-American. Now playing for the Cincinnati Reds. Now there playing we go. for the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, this dude did it all for the Pokes, and now he's doing it all for the candy store in the offseason. So help out a former Poke. You know, send in your orders, Buffett's Candies, get the caramel corn. Get They have a new candy called the Pumpkin Spice Latte Candy. It's delicious, so I've heard from him. Uh, we'll be getting, you know, some shipments in here, so we'll be eating it on the set and kind of trying stuff out. But um, BuffettsCandies.com, go put in your holiday orders. Makes a great gift for any loved one. Get the caramel corn. You won't be able to put it down. 10 out of 10, solid first <laughs> ad read on Bush League. I love it. That was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, had, had to use a surprise technique, you know, lead into it. <laughs> fantastic. Okay, so this is where I'm going to send you. We're going to finish up the MVP debate here in a second. But the weird thing about the MVP in any sport is what does the V in MVP mean? Because they, the, the MLB pretty much tells the writers, like, it's up to your interpretation. So everybody takes it differently. How do you view the V in MVP? So, I mean, I, I view it as you have to be on a good team, in my opinion. And, that you know, that's unfortunate for a lot of guys that have great ears. And, Trout. <laughs> and, you know, and so, like, and so your argument, I know, I know you're a big believer in the most valuable player on a guy's team, right? So if you take a guy off that team, what's that team look like? Yep. That, the, that's the Westbrook argument from the, yeah. this last year. But so my thing is, I take the most valuable guy off of the most valuable team and say, could this team win the World Series without this guy? No. Could this, yeah. could this, could this team be in this playoff race without this guy? No chance. Like, would the Rockies have been in the playoff race if they had 
you know, Joe Schmo playing the outfield. No, like they had Charlie Blackman. Yeah. He puts him in the playoff race. You know, are the yeah. Reds going to be in a playoff race with, with Votto? No, they're going to lose 100 games. Are they going to lose 130 without him? Probably. But, um, you know, so I, I believe it's you have to be a valuable, most valuable player, but on a team that is valuable. Okay, because I have it as take that guy, like you mentioned, take that guy off that team, and how good are they? What are they going to be able to do? So for me, it's really between Stanton and Votto because neither of, the, neither of those teams were very good. The Marlins were okay, but obviously when you have a guy that hits 59 home runs, you're going to be decent. You're going to be able to stay in games. So for me, it's either one of those guys. I, you know, I think Arenado had a fantastic year. I think Goldschmidt was good. He, for me, he was kind of the guy for a while, but he struggled down the stretch, and I think that kind of hurt his case. And he didn't do well in the – I mean, he hit the, the home run in the early in the um, – in the wild card game, but for me, I don't know. I just, I just couldn't do it. Realistically, I think it'll be Arenado. Um, I mean, obviously, I want it to be Votto, but I think it'll be Arenado. When you have a guy that's hit, he had three consecutive 130 RBI seasons. You know, he said 30, 35 bombs. He's the best third baseman in baseball. Yeah, gold glove third baseman. And the guy's just an unreal. For me, it's either you know he's one A and Manny Machado's one B at third base. Like they're both unreal. So I think it'll be him, but I also think. Even if he's not on that team and you have a league average third baseman playing for the Rockies, I still think the Rockies make the playoffs. I, I really think so. I think there there was a ton of firepower in that on that team. Obviously, when you have a guy that's hitting that that sort of production that Arenado had, that helps. But I still think they win 75, 80, 85 games, even without him with a league average third baseman. So I, I can see I see your case, but I also think you know, I have, there's, you know, there's some value to yeah. a guy like having a guy like Votter, having yeah. a guy like Stanton on a bad team that's still deserving. Cause obviously, I mean, we've seen Mike Trout win two MVPs on awful teams oh, for, yeah. for the angels. Oh yeah. But that, that's different. That's Mike Trout. You couldn't argue yeah. with the numbers. And if Votto, you, can't, you if, can't argue with the numbers with Votto, if Votto had, either. if Votto, you know, was nearing triple crown status, yeah, and you're like, oh, give him, the, give him the MVP, you know. Yeah, um, obviously it's hard to win the MVP when you got a guy hitting 59 home runs with Stanton. Right. I hope that that production that he has is sustainable. Yeah. This I is mean, what we've been waiting for him to do. This I, is the season we've been all waiting for. I think it is. I think he has the most consistent power swing in baseball, and and you know compared to Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge is so hit and miss, and Stanton is 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 just not. I mean, he has yeah. such a powerful swing and he repeats it so well and that's the difference yeah. between I mean, for me, I think Aaron Judge, I think he started trying too hard at the end of the year and he messed up his mechanics because from what I'm seeing right now, he's setting his front foot down and he's trying to swing at the same time rather than having any sort of separation from his front side to his back and he's missing because he's having to do t- he's trying to do too much with the swing, he's leaning forward. Stanton when he changed his stance in the middle of the season, he closed himself off cuz he kind of steps in the bucket a little bit. Which there's nothing wrong with it. It happens because he crowds the plate. But man, once he once he figured that out and he started hitting just absolute missiles, I mean, it, this is what I as a baseball fan, it was so fun to watch. And I'm not a Marlins fan by any stretch. I never watched their games. But he's another guy that's just must see TV whenever he steps to the plate. Definitely. Because you think he's going to go and hit a ball 500 feet and break the glass in the you know back of Marlins Park or whatever. Definitely. All right, do we have any last thoughts on baseball before we move on? I don't think so. Let's get to some college football, some Oklahoma State talk. Let's go. <laughs> We're both Oklahoma State homers, so we will definitely be talking about them quite a bit. <laughs> um, I mean, this past weekend was just ridiculous. There was chaos everywhere. 
I mean, there were four top 10 teams went down. I think seven top 25 went down, something like that. I mean, as an Oklahoma State fan, you loved it because that's exactly what we Oklahoma State needed to get back in the national, you know, national stage. And I think they're back. I, I really think Oklahoma State has the best loss of any team right now to number four TCU, which the fact that TCU is number four is still just baffling to me. I thought they were hot garbage coming yeah, in this year. Yeah, but then I they impress me every week now. I still think Kenny Hill's trash, but you know what? Yeah. <laughs> he's he's still there. He's still playing well. Their their defense is something else, but the fact they only held us to thirty one is well. okay. So I saw I saw this tweet today. This would be a fun debate, right? So what do you do if Georgia's eleven and one? They lose to Alabama in the SEC title. So they're eleven and two. No, or would that, would that be the, so that would be the one loss. loss. Okay. So they lose to Alabama in the title game. Close. You know, three to seven, one possession. Notre Dame runs the table. Goes 11-1. and one. Their one loss is Georgia by, what, one point at Notre Dame. Okay? Wisconsin runs the table. Goes undefeated in the Big Ten. <laughs> okay, then you have a one-loss Big 12 champion. And then, so what are you going to do? Who Who's getting left out? I think it'll be the Big 12 team. Because you have Georgia, Bama, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Big 12 team. To me, it'll either be a Notre Dame or a Big 12. And what do you do if Clemson runs the table the rest of the way? I think... What if Miami runs the table? There's so many different variables out there right now. I think that Clemson's still the best one-loss team in the nation, even though if Kelly Bryant's healthy, I think so. Um, Man, that's a tough situation. Because you know that someone's getting screwed out of the playoffs. Like, three teams that definitely should be there are going to be done. Yeah, I mean... I, I think the Big 12 gets left out. I yeah, don't care who and, it is. I, I think one lost Big 10, Big 12 championship, they they get left out. And think about that. I mean, Miami doesn't have a loss yet. I don't think Miami's any good. No, I think Miami's terrible. But what if... But what <laughs> They've if, gotten lucky two weeks in a row. But what if they get lucky the rest of the year? What if Miami runs the table wins the ACC undefeated? Wisconsin's undefeated the Big 10. Georgia's one loss over Bama. Bama... Bama is undefeated. They're going to go yeah. in. So Bama's going to go in. You know Georgia's going to get in if they have one loss and it's to Bama by one possession. See, but that's not going to happen. I, I really think I, – I think Alabama is so far and away better than any team in the nation. And even if Georgia's as good as everyone is saying they are, obviously they're number three in the nation, so that's pretty good. I think Alabama will beat them by three touchdowns. I think they're just that good. I mean, I don't think Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback, but he's good enough. That defense can stop anybody. It wouldn't surprise me if you know they end the season, you know, giving up less than ten points a game. I, I really just I don't. I, uh, was it A and M scored seventeen on them? I think that's the most any team's going to score besides maybe Auburn. Yeah, and, and and as an Oklahoma State fan, me and uh, one of my teammates, we would always put together a list when the college football playoff stuff got out. Yeah, and so we put a a rooting list, right? So it would be like. So every Oklahoma State, and we might we might throw this together for yeah. our listeners, and so they have something to watch. But it was it was a rooting list, and it was so you could watch any game. And be like, who do we need to win this game? Who does Oklahoma State need to win this game? Okay. And so that Auburn LSU game to me was the biggest game of the weekend. Oh yeah, because Auburn plays Georgia this year, and so Auburn losing to LSU open that they have two losses now. That brought us into the top ten, right? And Auburn. Now that opens up the fact that Auburn can beat Georgia now. So now we have to root heavily for Auburn in that game. Give Georgia one loss. Georgia's not going to lose the same by the SEC East. No, the SEC East is absolutely So we wrong. need Georgia to get to that title game with one loss. Because Bama's going to give them number two. But we can't have Bama give them the first one. No. Well, the SEC's getting two in. Yep. 
And so that Auburn-Georgia game is the third biggest game yeah. of Oklahoma State's year. <laughs> so if you have Wisconsin winning out, how do you have Penn State going? I mean, obviously, if Wisconsin was going to win out, they're going to have to beat Penn State. Beat one of those teams, Penn yeah. State, Ohio State. I think Penn State beats Ohio State. I still don't believe in JT Barrett. I, I don't believe in Ohio State. Even if he's getting better, I still think he, he – when was the last time he won a big game? I mean, I don't the know. The Michigan game but, last year, but even then, I didn't think Michigan was that yeah. good. Their offense was just as terrible as it is this year. Speaking of JT Barrett, we're talking Heisman race, right? Yeah. He's my dark horse Heisman. No. Not because I believe in him. Not because I like watching him play or anything like that. It's, it's, but because the media loves Ohio State, right? Loves them. And the kid, 21 touchdowns, one pick, leading the nation in touchdowns, only throws one interception because he doesn't throw the ball. No, he doesn't throw the ball more than three yards on the field. Yeah, <laughs> so he doesn't throw the ball. Makes Texas Tech reads in his offense. They've simplified their offense into like a RPO one read system. Because uh, that freshman back is a stud though, J.K. Yeah. Robbins. He's no joke. Yeah. So they're sitting in like an RPO one read system, and J.T. Barrett makes one read, and if it's not there, he runs. And and, and like they're just setting it up so to make things easy for him because they realize, wow, he's actually a terrible quarterback. Yeah. And then he, I'm telling you though, he's gonna mess around. He's gonna be in New York. I think Mason's going to be in New York. I think Baker's going to be in New York. I think JT Barrett, and then I think Saquon Barkley. I think that, yeah. I think Bryce Love at, at Stanford. I think he's going to fade out. I think they're riding him too hard early in the season. Yeah, and he's going to end up end up str- struggling later on. I'll talk because we're talking about Ohio State a lot. Who are the teams in college football that you love to hate? Because I have four. Yeah, I I always root against Ohio State, USC. Texas A&M and Nebraska. Okay, I'm USC. So we got two in common there: USC, Ohio State, OU, and Notre Dame. Those are the four schools that I've always just never liked. Now, part of that was because my dad never liked them, so I've always so I've kind of grown up that way. But yeah, like those are the four schools I just can't stand. Ohio State's and it's all because they always get so much preseason hype, no matter how good or bad they are. And it's just really annoying to listen to the national media talk about them when they're clearly better teams in the nation. Well, well, and to me, Wisconsin and Iowa were getting close to that list. Iowa was on it, and then they started the whole waving to the kids thing, and they're off because you know, like you see that, and I'm like, okay, I like them. Yeah, that's kind of cool. That that, that's probably the best thing I've seen in college football this year. I think that's just incredible. But they have the they have the same thing where both those teams don't play anybody. Wisconsin hasn't played a team with a winning record yet. And, and they've almost lost a couple of those games, too. They played yeah. terrible for some. I think Alex Hornibrook is terrible. Yeah, He's not a good quarterback. They hand the ball off every <laughs> they, time. Because they get, always get good running backs. Right. They've had, like, four good running backs in a row. And the, and I'm scared of that, too. If they keep winning, they're going to hand the ball off over and over again. That guy's going to win some big games. Yeah. I feel that like running backs could replace Mason in New York. New York. And I think someone's just going to mess around and beat him. I, I, I think someone yeah. is, someone's going to sneak up on him. Maybe... Maybe it's a Minnesota. The game's at Minnesota this year. I know they're not playing that well right now, but I feel like that could just be a game. Now, maybe this is because I love P.J. Fleck, and he's my second favorite coach in college football, but I, I just feel like they're going to slip up. I, I feel like they can't sustain that just running the ball 60 times a game. Like, I just don't see it happening. I I think Alex Hornibrook, you know, he hasn't really made any mistakes because he hasn't had to make any. Like, he hasn't had any situations where he's had to. You know, there's been a, there hasn't been a situation where he's – you know, mistakes could happen. I feel like you put him in a situation where, you know, they're behind and he has to make a throw, he's not going to be able to do it. No, no, not at all. I mean, they're, they're, so that's been the argument for forever with Oklahoma State, right? Yeah. It's 
if they get a lead, our defense plays well. If we get down early, we forget how to play defense. I That's mean, happened against TCU, and and, and it's one. Of, it, it's like and same thing with the Wisconsin type team, Stanford type team. Georgia, if you get up early, the game's over. They can't throw yeah, the ball. That's why I never understand why Oklahoma State defers to the second half. Exactly. Like If you have the best offense in the nation, which they do, why not just march down the field, break their will early, and score? Right. I mean, I, When we deferred to the second half against Baylor and they went down and scored, now granted that touchdown was very lucky, I was like, this, this is another TCU game. Like I thought it was just going to be another one of those days. Now, thankfully, I was very wrong. But it was just very weird watching that first six minutes, and I was like, I, I just didn't know what to expect. Yeah, and, and and I don't put too much stock into the first two or three possessions of a football game yeah. um, because everything's on film. You know, the team that they're playing is on film. The first two to three possessions that offense runs n- is not going to be on the film. It's going to be they practice these plays all week. You know, we're going to play, we're going to run these plays, these two or three, these two or three drives, and we're going to set the tone early. And then so these coaches, uh, Glenn Spencer's not seeing this on the film. Right. And so I don't put too much stock into those two or three drives. And that's, you know, that's what Glenn Spencer does really well, and he has done throughout his career at Oklahoma State, is the defensive adjustments at in halftime. It's the same thing to start the second half. You're, the first drive, you're going to see something new. Right. Um, but it's not the first three drives of the game and the first two in the second half that breaks you. It's... If that team, like TCU, just kept getting third. Like, our defense played well that game. Not on third down. And that was the only down they didn't play well. Every It was third and seven, third and eight, third and 15, third and 12. And they'd get it every time. Right. And, you know, some of that was, I mean, I thought I thought we ran good. I thought we ran good plays on defense. I, I mean. The defense played better. Well, after they adjusted to that first possession, I thought they played a lot better. Yeah. And, obviously, when you give up 16 points to any big, t- any big 12 team, you're doing something right. Um, because in a, in a conference that's based on just scoring as many points as humanly possible, when you're like you have a touchdown and three field goals, that you're doing something right on defense. So I hope that that can sustain for the rest of the season. But I don't know. It's, the Big Twelve is so unpredictable at times. You just don't know. Yeah, definitely. All right. So you mentioned your Heisman favorites. So you had Mayfield, Barrett, Rudolph, and Barkley. Who wins it? Oh, I mean, it depends on it depends on who's going to the playoff. I think whichever one of those players is going to the playoff is going to win it. Okay. And so if Penn State runs the table, Barkley, they're going to give it to Barkley. Yeah. He's he he's my first rounder next year in my fantasy draft. I love <laughs> everything a, the kid he's does. A stud. He's a freak every- in the weight room too. Have you seen his weight room stats? Yeah, at unbelievable. Penn State? I love everything the kid does. I mean, he catches the ball like a receiver out of the backfield. He. He runs the ball like a power running back, but has the speed of a, of a fast guy. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen anything like that. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be my first, one of my first picks next year in my fantasy draft for sure. It's going to suck when he has to play for the Browns or the Jets, though. Poor guy. Yeah. See, I have I have Mayfield, Rudolph, and then I have Saquon Barkley and Bryce Love. And to me, it's between Barkley and Love. I I, I think Mayfield and Rudolph they're they're the two best quarterbacks in the nation. But I just think I think it could be Bar- I, th- I would give it to Barkley because I think his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield and run back kicks and his power running ability, I think he's just the most complete player in college football. So I think he, but Bryce Love is putting up video game numbers right now. And he was the backup to Christian McCaffrey. And think about how good Christian McCaffrey was. And this guy ran for 700 yards last year. He's in every game this season, he has a 50 yard touchdown run. Yeah. He's run for, I think, 1,300 yards in seven games. Like it's un- otherworldly what he's doing. Do I think he'll be able to sustain it? I don't know. 
I hope he can just so you can see what this you know just freak of a running back yeah. can do. But uh, to me, I think it's Barkley. I, I think he's the guy. Um, you have your dark horse of uh, JT Barrett, which it hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it hurts I, me too. He's just the dark yeah, horse because the media I, loves him. Yeah, I, I just I don't know if there are any other guys that really stand out right now in college football. Because I, I tried thinking of a guy that was a dark horse, and like for a while I thought it could be Luke Falk, but then you throw five interceptions to Cal, and <laughs> you're done very quickly. I. I was gonna say Jake Browning, and then they got one touchdown for a high-powered offense against Arizona State, so he's out. You know, maybe Josh Rosen, but his team isn't good enough. I still think Sam Darnold's terrible. I don't think he's as good as everyone makes him out to be. It's just because he plays for USC. And I know we talked about this, you know, a couple of days ago. Imagine if Mason Rolfe and Baker Mayfield played in LA. The, imagine the amount of hype that yeah, they would be. They're not, they're not getting anything right now. Imagine what the you know Mayfield is. They would be Matt Liner. They would be Reggie Bush out there. Yeah, that would just be insane. Um, Football in the state of Oklahoma is pretty good right now, and no one's talking about it. Yeah. And, and as much as, you know, they're, what, number nine, we're number ten, who, how much credit is, are we are both these schools really getting? Yeah. Everybody's waiting for the schools to lose or waiting for them to get to the playoff and then get blown out. That's what that's what happens with Oklahoma State every year. Everyone's like, oh, we'll just wait until they screw up, and then we're going to talk about them for three days straight. That's what happened after they lost Iowa State in 2011. No one talked about them. They were the number two team in the nation. Probably were going to win the national title that year. Yeah, I mean, had the best. I mean, so obviously, I think that Alabama was the best team in the NCAA that year. But yeah. you weren't going to play Alabama. No, you were going to play LSU. LSU. And Alabama showed that you could throw the ball on LSU, and that's all that we did. It hurt. I mean, it hurt. <laughs> oh man, I didn't I even watch, watch the national title that year. Watching I, that game, I didn't. Bad. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. Yeah, well, right. let's make a pact and never bring up 2011 Iowa State on this podcast again. Yep. I agreed there. Okay, so I have one question. This is going back to Alabama. So people talk about Alabama, you know, with as good as they are, head and shoulders above every other team in college football. They have, you know, they make jokes like, oh, they could beat the Browns, they could beat the Jets, you know, they could beat all these terrible NFL teams, which they can't. But... Could Alabama's second-string players still win the SEC? I think they could win the SEC West. Yeah. I think they would get to the SEC championship game. I think Georgia's a legit football team this year. I know everybody's scarred, right, from Georgia. Everybody's like, Georgia's top ten again? Weird. And they finish (laughs) unranked. It's just like Texas. Once Texas is actually really back, people are going to be like, is Texas back? Texas is back. And then they're like, oh, crap, Texas is good. (laughs) I I forgot. When I forgot about this, I listened to Caden Dustin's podcast yesterday. They were talking to a guy, you know, covers the Longhorns. I forgot that after Texas beat Notre Dame last year, they jumped from unranked to ten. Yeah, they were I bad. forgot. I forgot about that. Everybody <laughs> thought Notre Dame was good. Yeah, and then they were terrible. I wish I wish freezing cold takes was around last year because that would have been hilarious, especially after they beat uh, they lost to Kansas. Yeah, I mean, I think with Ellinger at quarterback, this is going to be our first hot take, right? <laughs> All right. I think Texas is in the college football playoff Ellinger's junior year. Two years. Would not surprise me if he's not broken in half by then because of the way he plays football. True. They're going to have to find a way to protect him better. But because I think it's that just, he's just, he's a gamer. And I respect the crap out of anyone that plays, you know, or plays that style of football that just, you know, I'm not going to say the phrase I was about to on, on air, but yeah. man, it's like the, the guy that just, you know, 
just plays like his hair's on fire. He plays quarterback like my like road to glory guy used to yes. play quarterback. Like, oh, nobody's open on the first read. I'm just going to take off and try to truck somebody. Like, that's how he plays. And he looks like him, too. Like, I'm going to make him as big and strong as I can. You know, yeah. let's go to Texas and turn back, turn the program around. Like, he's a road to glory player. Baker used to be that until he turned into the ultimate WWE supervillain. I can't stand that guy. Just like everything. I can't he, even like him as a, like, he's a great player, but I even hate admitting that because he's such a terrible person. Everything he does is to get a reaction out of somebody. Yeah, he, he has embraced the villain yes. thing. And I loved when Carl bit them in the backside when Al, when Iowa planted the Iowa State, the state of Iowa flag at midfield. That's still the background on my phone because it's just a great picture. <laughs> and I love when karma gets people that deserve it. Yeah. All right. Do we have any other thoughts on college football? That, I mean, that's. I mean, there's to me the Pac-12 is done. I mean, I think I I don't see them going. You know, I think I think Washington will probably still win the Pac-12. I think it'll be one of the two Washington schools, but. They'll get they'll get the Rose Bowl. Woohoo! <laughs> They're not getting the playoff. Yeah, I, I I don't think so too. I don't think. Um, I just think that there's too much. Uh, there's too many good football teams this year, and I don't think a one loss. I mean, maybe a one loss USC because they're USC. Yeah, because they're USC. But I just man, it, it's tough. I mean, a one loss anybody's gonna be. It's gonna be close, but. I, I, I see Washington State being Washington, and then I see, you know, USC losing a game somewhere. USC's going to lose to Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean. The good thing about college football this year is that there's parity, and that makes it fun for everyone to watch because we just don't know what's going to happen. It's like watching an NCAA tournament, you know, in, in basketball. Like, there's just no – to me, besides Alabama, there's no second-place team. I think I think Penn State's the second-best team in the nation, and they're still way – Alabama's still way better than they are. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of like Alabama's already there. They could lose their last three games and they're still going to be in the playoff. And then it's just whoever's playing for second, third, and fourth at this point. Yeah. All right. So, I, I mean, I think we should talk a little uh, wrap-up college football with a little, like, top 25 action this weekend. And, okay. You know, who, what, what times to watch things, who to root for, maybe get some extra, you know, luck going the folks' Ooh, way. Let's see what we got here. Um, so Thursday night you have Memphis-Houston. That game's irrelevant. Uh, both those teams have <laughs> who, cares? who cares? Riley Ferguson can sling it. But, yeah, you know yeah, that might be. be that will be a fun game to watch. I'll, I'll watch it, but because it'll be a shootout, and I love those type of games. Yeah, Houston by three is the line. You, I mean, oh, uh, Houston's a three point favorite in that. Houston's one? a three point favorite. No, no. The, the <laughs> worst line of the day to me, and I love that we have these on recording because I can like go back and look at stuff. Yeah, the worst line of the day: Wisconsin, Maryland. Maryland is a decent football team. They're, they're not they're good. All, they're, if they still had Tyrell Pigram, I'd yeah. say they I'd say they'd probably be a top twenty five team right now. Yeah, they're not good, but they're decent. Has Wisconsin even scored twenty four points in a game this year? Can you check that? I don't know. I if mean, they have. I'm sure, I mean, probably against favored, a terrible team. They're favored by twenty four. No way. Over no. Three and three put your Maryland money. Put your team. money on Maryland on that one. I, so I, I think they'll keep it. I, I think Wisconsin will win that game, but I think Maryland yeah, will keep it at least yeah, decent. No way. It, I mean. It says it's, it's it, 11 a.m. game on Fox. That's going to be a great flipping back and forth game for Oklahoma State, Texas at 11 a.m. Yes. I love that. Don't watch any commercials if you don't have to. If you're, if you're only watching one football game at a time. What are you doing? <laughs> There's like eight on at one time on every time slot. You're doing it wrong. And then, you know, you have Oklahoma State, Texas. Uh, We're a touchdown favorite yeah. in that one. I'd say that's pretty respectable. I think I think it'll be – I think we'll win by a touchdown or ten points. 
I don't think it'll be – I think we'll be able to win convincingly, but I think we'll have to grind it out at least for three quarters. Definitely says it's going to be uh, partly cloudy, 85 degrees, perfect day to sling the football around. Um, as long as there's, the wind isn't swirling like it was against Baylor. This says there's 2,094 tickets available for from $2. Texas there's, isn't back. There's no way that's right. <laughs> Texas is not back. I mean, they sell Corona in the stadium. You would think they'd be able to sell out every time. Yeah. But yeah. not not even the, the salt salt line you get with the Corona will heal the fact that they lost it to Kansas in football. No. That And also, that joke will never get old. And yes, I will say it as many times as I possibly can on this podcast. <laughs> Two, 2.30 slot, you have Tennessee, Alabama. That's going to be a bloodbath. Oh. Alabama's favored by 35. Take and the you, over. Ta- take the over. Take, take, the take Alabama and the, and the points. I, I don't even think Tennessee's going to score. No, I don't no. even think Tennessee's going to score. Scored a touchdown in two weeks. No way they're scoring. Butch and also fire Butch Jones. Yeah, if you if you really want to save your program at Tennessee, fire Butch Jones and hire John Gruden or Chip Kelly. Yeah, Syracuse at, at Miami, going to be stormy, weird. Go Cues. Uh, <laughs> can they do it two weeks in a row? I don't know. We need them to. I think they're fired up, and I think they will. Two thirty game, perfect. At, you know, it's going to be a perfect game to watch after you're hyperventilating on the couch from the finish of Oklahoma <laughs> State, Texas. That, you're you know, coming down. You're putting some t- uh, just for men touch of gray. No, yeah. that's not an ad read. That's just me. Yeah, <laughs> that's me being realistic well, here. That, the Texas game worries me. We've won there, I think, four times in a row. Mm-hmm. They're due. You don't beat Texas. You don't. You don't keep beat Texas five Texas times in Texas and Austin five times in a row. Last time we were there, the punter had to wear one off the face for us to win. <laughs> I mean, I the guy literally picture. missed the ball and hit him right in the face mask. That's my second favorite play against Oklahoma State of all time, 2011. At Texas Tech, we're already up 50. Oh. Kickoff happens, hits the kick returner in the face, <laughs> runs to pick it up on the five, slips, slings it backwards, we pick it up in the end zone. I remember watching that game and seeing that, yeah. That, and then you got, you got the, the guy that's like, guns up and he's just sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's, For, that's forever one of my favorite memes. That's an all-time memes. meme. But here's, here's the, the thing. I went back and I realized, like, we won that game 66-6 to and then we played Iowa State next. Yeah. Bad omen. Yeah, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. North Carolina is bad. They're gonna lose. Yeah, I, I think so Larry banged up. It's unbelievable. The players to watch. It says Michael Carter. He has 388 rushing yards on the season for North Carolina. For North Carolina, Bryce Love has 388 rushing yards a game. <laughs> um, Indiana, Michigan State, 230. Uh, go Hoosiers. Need that to happen. Um, you know, they played well against Michigan. We'll see if they can do it two weeks in a row. I don't think yeah, they'll I mean, be able to, but I hope who they... knows? Every, everybody's down to just keep the Big 12 out of everything, right? So Bottom Michigan line, State the table, they'll just, jump just make it respectable. That's all I ask. Yeah. Uh, UCF Navy. I'm all for UCF to just win as many games as possible just to just to throw that wrench in there until, you know, we're on the other side of the wrench, and then I won't like that. You know, I'm fine with the midshipmen winning a game. As long as they're not playing Army, we're good to go. I, I root for the academies until they play Army. Yeah, Oklahoma, Kansas State. Um, they're K or K State's like a thirteen point dog in that one. Yeah. I t- I take OU to cover there. Ertz is out, so K State hasn't been able to do anything on offense. So I, I don't know if they'll be able to do too much. Yeah, Kansas, Kansas State. OU's is, defense is bad, but I just don't know if they're gonna be able to do anything. Yeah, OU's defense is bad, but it's bad in places that Kansas State can't exploit, and I don't think they're gonna be able to move the ball. And OU's offense is electric, even if they have just random weapons. Their yeah. best weapon is a giant tight end and a freshman running back. Um, South Florida, Tulane. 
Who cares? Charlie Charlie Strong is going to end up screwing that up sometime. It's going to happen at some point. I think Quentin Flowers is good, but yeah. They'll, they'll be the team. They go to the Peach Bowl. They're going to get beat by four touchdowns. Yes. Overrated LSU versus terrible Ole Miss. Ole Miss <laughs> is not going to recover from those sank sanctions anytime soon. Go ahead, Ogeron. <laughs> Here's the big ones for tomorrow. Michigan, Penn State. Go Penn, Penn State's State. a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Penn State wins by three touchdowns. Yeah, their their offense can't do anything. And I don't know, even though Michigan's defense is good, I don't think they'll be able to stop Saquon Barkley. If you're, if you're going to beat Penn State, you're going to have to outscore them. Michigan's not going to do that. No. Because um, I think Wilton Spate's still out, and they're still stuck with John O'Corn, who can't do anything, and neither can Wilton Spate. <laughs> doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for them, they can't score. And so this game is interesting in the who do you root for game. Do you root for Michigan – to give Penn State the loss, or do you root for Penn State to just knock Michigan out of the conversation? I think you just root for Michigan and knock out of the conversation. I just don't see Penn State losing unless it's maybe Ohio State. Right, because you But see, even then, I still think they'll beat Ohio State. Yeah, because if you see Penn State with one loss and they beat Ohio State and they win the Big Ten, they're going to get in. I, I think they're going to be in regardless. I, I just don't. I don't see Wisconsin beating them in the Big Ten championship. I think they'll, be, I think they'll end up getting the other New Year's Six game. But I think it'll be Penn State. To me, they to me they've been the second best team in college football, and I think they, you know their ranking rightfully shows it. Yeah, USC Notre Dame is the other big one, six thirty uh, in South Bend. Notre Dame's favored by three and a half. Can I root for a power outage? Um, <laughs> because I hate both of those teams equally. <laughs> I don't know what to do there. I say I say you root for USC to just knock Notre Dame out of conversation. You do but, that, but the media has sort of shifted to hating Notre Dame. Yeah. So the media used to be ranked Notre Dame high every year, see what happens. Now it's keep them low, make them earn it. And if USC yeah. goes to South Bend and beats Notre Dame, everybody's going to be South like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's oh in my. South Bend. I didn't realize that. Everybody's going to um, be like, oh my goodness, USC is back. You know, they, they So I, I almost would rather have Notre Dame win that game. I think so, too. And just completely, A, it knocks USC completely out. They should have lost to Utah. We have that. And then secondly, you have... Um, you have Sam Darnold completely out of the Heisman conversation and just, wow, this guy's really not that good. Yeah, and then you have Auburn, Arkansas. Um, Auburn by 15, take that. Arkansas is absolutely atrocious. I uh, wonder how much that loss to that giving up that lead to LSU hurt, though. Yeah, that's true, but I mean, man. I don't... Yeah, and I mean, with, with Auburn... All right, Auburn... Um, yeah, you, you wonder about the recovery from the LSU loss, but I don't know if you've seen Arkansas play this year, but yes, they are that bad. They, they are very bad. And they don't have a quarterback this week. Um, Auburn by 15. It's, it's in Fayetteville, which doesn't matter because that's how bad they are. If they lose that game... Uh, Wouldn't surprise me if he'd be able to get fired. Yeah, I mean, he. I, don't, I think he'll be gone by the end of the season. There are going to be a lot of coaching vacancies up at the end of the year. There are going to be a lot. Uh, Kansas, TCU at 7. TCU by 38.5. I'm taking KU. Not to win the game. I've, I faded the KU line a couple times in this year, and I failed miserably. I don't think that I, – I think TCU will beat them by that much. Also, do you want to hear the greatest sports headline that I've heard this year? Yes. I saw this Give earlier to today. Me. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I don't know where this is from. This is from the Kansas City Star. KU fans are horrified that Jayhawks game at TCU will be on national television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what 
what are they doing? It does. This doesn't say what channel it is. It it's has on to be Fox. Fox right? It's on Fox. What is Fox doing? You have West Virginia Baylor because Fox gets first choice of Big Twelve. Yeah. So you have West Virginia Baylor Baylor at the same time. Baylor's zero and six, but that's still they at least a give you game. a better game. And and why not make the Oklahoma State Texas game that's at eleven a.m. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'd rather play in Austin at eleven a.m. than at six thirty or seven. Yeah. But that, man, I I think part of the reason why they did that is they know no one's gonna watch it because the MLB playoffs are gonna be on. True. So I think they just did it that way because if it's eleven a.m., people are gonna watch it, which would just be unfortunate. But either way, KU's gonna get just they're not gonna waste Gus Johnson on that game, are they? I sure hope not. That we would, better get Gus that Johnson. Poor at man. Yeah, imagine. No, I think that game's on ESPN. The Oklahoma State game is. It's on ABC. Oh right, right, right. It's on ABC. Uh, I wish we could get Gus Johnson for every game. That'd be nice. West Virginia Baylor, Baylor's 0-6, make it 0-7, but spreads 9.5. I think West Virginia probably covers. I think, I think West Virginia covers. Um, yeah, I, I don't see any way that Baylor even makes that game close. Uh, Colorado-Washington State, this game's interesting because Colorado hasn't looked good, but they also haven't looked bad. Washington State has looked great and terrible. Yeah, what's the spread? 11, Washington State. Colorado's going to cover. Yeah. I, I take Colorado to cover on that one. You know what team is, you're is getting the with game, Colorado. Is, is the game in Pullman or in Boulder? It's in Pullman. I'd still take Colorado to cover yeah. on that 49 one. 49 and raining. Good luck, Luke Folk. Colorado's going to run the ball. He, he's a one-read quarterback, and, yeah. and, and, a, and he can't run. That's not good. <laughs> no, and Philip Lindsay is an absolute monster. That that guy is a special running back. We yeah. I don't know how we held him as much as we did last year in the bowl game. No. I don't know how. Is yeah, that all, all the really that, good games? That's, all, that's the top 25 uh, for Saturday. So, rooting hard for Syracuse. Um, yeah. put, it, put aside your, you know, Eddie Sutton, Jim Beheim arguments and root hard for Syracuse that day. Um, and rooting hard for Maryland. Maryland and Syracuse are my teams of the day to watch. Uh, I'll take Oklahoma it. State. Yeah, I, that would be fun. I mean, college football is fun when there is absolute chaos. Now, I don't want chaos in Austin, Texas from about 11 a.m. until about 2.30. If it, if it could stay away from there, then I think we're good to go. Um, other than that, I know it'll be entertaining. Uh, I'm excited for another good weekend of college football. This slate of games is a lot better this week than it was last week. Yeah, definitely. This is. past week was just not good. I, I was bored by, you know, the, even the West Coast games. Like, I just I kind of kept tabs in the Arizona State game just because it was close, but I just didn't watch it. There wasn't really anything good on. Uh, so, uh... oh, I'm sorry. You're good. All right. All right, what's your prediction? Oklahoma State, Texas, give me a final score. I think it'll be – I think Texas will put up points. I don't think it'll be close. At least, you know, I, I think Oklahoma State will win convincingly. I'll go 48-31. I think Oklahoma State will be able to pull away late, kind of like they've done the last couple weeks. Um, I think the first few quarter, I think the first quarter and a half is going to be really close. I think they'll be back and forth, kind of like it was in Stillwater last year. But I think Oklahoma State's be able to pull away. I just think I think Mason Rose will be able to throw all over them. Yeah. I, I just don't I don't believe in Texas's defense enough. I think Ellinger will give us problems for about the first two quarters, and then I think he'll wear down, kind of like he did at the end of the OU game. Now, granted, he kind of got KO'd on the field, but <laughs> that doesn't help. Yeah, I, I just wonder how healthy he's going to be and how risky he'll be coming off of what most likely is a concussion. I, I mean, I don't want to speculate, but that didn't look good. Yeah, it definitely didn't. I mean, I'm going to go 35-24 uh, in the favor of the Pokes. 
I think it's going to be a good game really all the way through. I think Texas is going to have some late, you know, boneheaded turnover. I think it'll be a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. Texas has a late boneheaded turnover that leads to an easy OSU score and kind of puts the game away. Um, but, yeah, you wonder about Ellinger's health. Uh, you saw him throw a fourth and 12, fourth and ball game yeah, pass into the stands. Yeah. What are you doing? Just throw it to the middle of the field. See give somebody happens. a chance. If you throw a pick, who cares? He threw it away. Probably not in the best state of mind. Might not have known what down it was. Just ran out there. Yeah. Um, but not not a good situation. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, we'll see if you know if there if anything comes of that because it's blown up pretty big on Twitter due to some bitter Texas A&M fans. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see if anything comes of that. All right, I think that's all we have on college football. Now let's move into some more football with the NFL. Um, there has been a lot of weird stuff that's gone on in the NFL this year. I mean, I'll admit, like, I watch it just because I'm a huge sports fanatic, but I've never really been, like, a huge, crazy, passionate fan of the NFL. I mean, I like the Seahawks, and I like the Chiefs. Seahawks, I've been, you know, hey, I've been a Seahawks fan since I was five, for those of you listening, calling me a bandwagoner already right now. And I like the Chiefs because I've lived in Kansas City since 2008, so I like both those teams. But, I don't know, my fandom, like... It's just been weird this year. I just haven't – the game's been boring. Like, there's just not a lot of scoring. The offense is bad. I can't – and the defense isn't that good either. It's just – to me, it's just not good football. It's not a good product. Yeah, and and, and I think I think part of it is the offensive coordinators in the NFL are so conservative because they don't want to put quarterbacks in a tough position to turn the ball over. And so they get these quarterbacks that came from really – you know, they're one – a lot of them are one, maybe two read systems in college. And they get to the NFL, and the real, they see the really good quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, he's literally calling the play from the line of scrimmage. I mean, he, the, the coordinator's just like, do it, man. Like, go for it. You know, like, we're passing the ball. Oh, nope, you changed to a run sweep. Who cares? You know, I'm just here. Make me look good. And, you know, he, he draws up the plays and, and stuff like that. But you see the, the discrepancy between the high-profile quarterbacks and everybody else is so huge. it's like these guys that were superstars in college get to the pros and all of a sudden all they can do is hand the ball off and throw play action 10 yard outs like where does that come from like these people like slung the ball everywhere in college can't do with the pros the athletes that much better i mean i think they are but why did why did quarterbacks just dwindle into nothing i i I don't understand because there is a huge difference between the top tier quarterbacks in the nfl and the bottom tier and like it's very obvious yeah and there are a few guys that are kind of caught in between trying to you know make their way but that's mostly the young quarterbacks there are a lot of veterans that are just terrible in the nfl and i just don't understand where the disconnect goes and I think part of it is coaching or just the organization, the end of it. Because the Browns is just a quarterback graveyard. We'll get to them in a second because they're a whole other story. But it's just been hard to watch this year just because it hasn't been very good football. There's been a, maybe one or two high-scoring games. But, I mean, obviously I don't, I'm not, don't want to get too much in the political side of stuff because there's been a lot of that this year. But it hasn't helped viewership at all, like the protests and stuff. Like It's, it's not been good. And, obviously, I, like, I don't agree with it. But I'm not going to get too. I don't want to get too much into that because that's a whole different other can of worms to open. But it just, I mean, it's alienated a lot of fans and people. It's just made the games not as fun to watch because we, the, we want as fans a disconnect from, you know, po- politics and all that other stuff and just want to focus on sports. Yeah, it, it makes so things, been, it makes it, things awkward. It you does. Know, it makes it makes instead of you know talking about arguing over oh my team's going to beat your team it was yeah, now it's like. Did you see who did this? Like, did you see what happened? Did you see what they tweeted? Did you see what he tweeted? I mean, who cares? Keep them in the locker room. Keep all of them in the locker room. 
do it like they used to, do it like college football does. Yeah. You know, it makes it more exciting for the fans too, because what what is it? you we go don't to an NFL pay game? To that. Yeah, and, and you go to an NFL game and there's the hype video and they run out and then they all stand there and you do the national anthem. Do it before and then run out after. Like that's that's the way to do it. That you know that's exciting. Yes. It and if a player wants to come up in the, the locker anthem, room, then absolutely. Let yeah, great. But don't. It's just, it's a tough situation. It really is. And I understand these players are wanting to enact social change and they want to do all this stuff. And I think that's great. But to me, that's just not the place to do it. I think do it off the field. That that's my that's yeah, my soapbox. I mean, but moving into a different you know topic here because I don't want to spend too much time on that. Who's been the biggest surprise so far for you in the NFL? Like, what do you, what do you, like, player, team, what's, what's been the biggest surprise? I think the Texans. I think Deshaun Watson is. He looks like the truth. Is a monster. <laughs> I mean, I, I figured he was going to be okay, you know, and he, he's, I figured he was going to be kind of like a garbage can Dak Prescott for this year where mm-hmm. they're going to keep things conservative and see what happens. It's the exact opposite. He's throwing tanks. I mean, like, <laughs> I have, Five touchdowns I, against I, the Chiefs. I, I picked up Will Fuller just because, and Will Fuller, Will Fuller has like 130 yards a game and three receptions. He just he yeah, runs he just throws field. it up. He's like the Marcel Aitman for uh, for Deshaun Watson. He's like I'm in trouble. Where's Will Fuller? Throw it there. And it's not even DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, like Mar- Marcel Aitman's a first rounder. He's turning himself. He's into turning a into a first rounder. round receiver. I feel like he's been in Oklahoma State for eight years, but. The, the man, I mean, he's just a, I mean, he's Mason Rolf's security blanket. He really, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You need a receiver like that. You can just go to any situation like, I'm going to throw it up and he's going to catch it. Yeah, he's a possession receiver, and that's what Oklahoma State has missed. You know, they, I mean, they had, like, they had the Des Bryant, and they had Justin Black. Justin Black. Those are possession receivers that possessed elite speed. Blackman didn't possess the completely elite speed, but... He was so good at what he did. Oh my god, he's one of the best college players I've ever seen. That it was, was unbelievable. Unreal. And um, but yeah, I mean, I think that either the Texans and Deshaun Watson, or the Jaguars not being terrible, or the Jets not being terrible. The Jets suck so bad they can't tank right. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's what Barstool was saying the other day, right? Like you guys like you guys like they had one job, it was to lose every game, and they can't even do it because of the Jets, like. And, 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 and about Josh McCown? Shout out to Josh McCowan though for figuring out a way to get them to win. Yeah, and, and he was that, that guy was saying that too. I forget who it was, but he was saying, uh, you know, Josh McCown's the quarterback you get KFC, when you're tanking. KFC, yeah, KFC. Barstool will say, hey, like that's the quarterback you get when you're like, let's tank the season. Where's Josh McCown? <laughs> Sign him. And now he's winning games because it's the Jets. <laughs> uh, to me, the biggest surprise has been the LA Rams and Jared Goff. He's Jared Goff is actually looks like a franchise quarterback. Last year I watched him play. I'm like, this guy's awful. Like, what? Did, I even in college I didn't think he was that good. But then I realized, oh, he has Jeff Fisher as his coach. Jeff Fisher has been a terrible NFL coach since the you know the Music City Miracle. That was the last time he was a good coach. He's been an eight and eight coach for his whole career. Yeah, that's he defensive. He was defensive minded. He wasn't gonna you know he wasn't gonna try and mold a quarterback, which is what they drafted number one overall. But then Sean McVay comes in, who's 30, and he looks like a, a solid NFL coach, for one thing. He looks like he's got it squared away. You know, he's got all the coaching cliches down in the press conferences. Yeah, but, but he looks like he can motivate his players, and he actually looks like a solid NFL coach. And they look like a solid team. And I hate saying that because they're in the same division as the Seahawks, and I'm nervous that they're going to sneak up on us. But Jared Goff, like, he looks 
more athletic this year. He looks like he's more confident in making throws. Like he actually looks like someone who could be a legit, you know, top ten quarterback in about two or three years. Yeah, definitely. And cliches are the worst. So if you're gonna avoid cliches, don't get your girlfriend flowers for this Valentine's Day. Go to BuffettsCandies.com. They have great Valentine's options on there. It's never too early to start looking. Go on there, or place your order. You know, find out what she likes. Get some candies in now. You know, get the get. They'll have a trial box for you. You know, they'll send you some. Have her test them, and then boom, heart-shaped box full of all the good candies from BuffettsCandies.com. Test it out. No cliches. No more flowers. No more teddy bears. Get her the specialized candy from BuffettsCandies.com. Trey's killing the ad read today. This is pretty great. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, so the Kansas City Chiefs, one of my favorite teams, and they have been for a while. Are they still the best team even after playing a terrible game against the Steelers on Sunday? Um, I think they're a good team. I think that they're going to be in the playoffs. I think they'll win the division. I don't think they're a Super Bowl winning team. You I, don't can't, I, I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith. And he's playing, like an, he's playing like an MVP right now. Right? So he looks like an MVP, but how simple is their offense? It's not. <laughs> Honestly, like, I think they have the most creative offense in the NFL. I mean, They, it, they really do. They have so many weapons, and they utilize them so well. And there are teams that are maybe just as athletic or even better, but their offenses are so vanilla that they don't utilize these guys to their full potential. When you have Tyree Kill, you have Travis Kelsey, Albert Wilson. Well, unfortunately, Chris Connolly's down, but... You know, you got in Turkandrick West, if he comes back healthy. And then Kareem Hunt, who's been, you know, he's been the biggest surprise in the NFL coming out of the third round and probably is a top, already, you know, at least right now this season, a top five back in the NFL. You know, you have all these weapons and you use, utilize them in so many different ways. It's hard for defenses to figure out. And you had a guy in Matt Nagy who was a college offense, offense coordinator a couple years ago, and he's utilized some of those systems without it being too much like a college offense. It's like the perfect hybrid of a spread but pro style. And to me, it works. When you have that, that many athletic weapons, you can be creative. And Alex Smith looks like a quarterback that's just been rejuvenated. Like he re- like To me, he is playing like an MVP, and I think part of that is because he has Patrick Mahomes sitting behind him. I thought coming in, I said, when the Chiefs drafted Mahomes, I'm like, okay, no, he's not going to start away, right away. But I'm like, Mahomes, Alex Smith's going to play like an MVP this year. Because he knows he has someone sitting behind him that's gunning for his job and is going to be good in about two years. And he's, shoot, he's playing like Patrick Mahomes, making these throws out of the pocket on the run. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's the thing is like, I just think that, uh, you know, watching the Chiefs, it's just, I just can't get past the fact that they're the Chiefs. And you're just so used to seeing the same, and like, you know, I've watched them a couple times this year and they do utilize their, their options on offense really well. But I just Alex Smith is just not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You just don't that name just doesn't go well. Like the lowest name on that totem pole to me is Joe Flacco, right? Joe but Flacco. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. He's not elite, right? <laughs> Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Joe Flacco's defense won a Super Bowl. That's right. And that's what's gonna come down to is the Kansas City defense good enough to win a Super Bowl? Not having Eric Berry hurts. Yeah. I think if Eric Berry was still on that defense, I think they probably had a good shot at it. But I, I don't know. I think they can I think they can at least contend for the AFC title, but I don't know if they'll do it. I mean, obviously I'm hoping for it because I think it would be really cool. Because they I don't think they, they haven't gone to the Super Bowl since they won a Super Bowl four. Yeah. But and that's another thing. If you're gonna do it, this is the year. This is the year. No Aaron Rodgers. The Patriots 
are still not looking like the Patriots. Should you be? Should we be worried about the Patriots? I mean, uh, I can't stand the Patriots. They're my. They're like one of my most hated teams in any sport ever. I mean, I don't think so. I think they're going to play poorly, keep winning some games, playing bad, yeah. and they're going to figure it out. They're going to sign somebody that gets kicked off some other team. Make another trade with the Browns. Yeah, they're going to sign somebody that gets kicked off another team or that's a cancer to a locker room, and he's going to come in and not have a problem with the Patriots, and they're going to win. Um, I mean, the Eagles look like a team to beat. Carson Wentz looks really good. He's been killing it on my fantasy team this year. Yeah, I mean, they look like a team to beat. Um, everything yeah, is completely know. opposite of what the experts predicted in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think parody's great for the league. I, th- I think it's really been good this year. It's been a lot of fun to watch, at least in that sense. You just don't know what's going to happen every week. But I don't know. The Patriots, to me, like it's just weird. Like They were dom- they dominated the first half of that game against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs just came out the fourth quarter and just kicked the crap out of them in Foxborough. And then the rookie Deshaun Watson goes in there two weeks later and almost wins. Like, he really should have, but the Texans' defense just couldn't stop Tom Brady. But Tom Brady's still one of the greatest of all time, and I can't stand the guy, but I recognize the fact that he's one of the best to ever play the position. And then Cam goes in, coming off a terrible two weeks, goes into New England and wins. And then it takes the worst call I've ever seen in a football game against the Jets (laughs) for New England to win that game. He was juggling the football. (laughs) (laughs) That was the worst call I've ever seen. I don't know how they overturned it. They called it a touchdown on the field. There had to have been, you know, enough evidence to overturn it. Yeah, indisputable, conclusive, conclusive, indisputable evidence. Yeah, he didn't have the ball for half a second, but then he was over the pylon with the ball across the end zone. He didn't step out of bounds. I don't know how they called that a touchback. Yeah, I don't know. That was that was the. I've seen a lot of terrible calls in college football. In college football and the pro, that was easily the worst one I've ever seen. I that that is worse. And then second, Des caught it. End of, it, end, of, end of discussion here. <laughs> Can the Packers survive without Aaron Rodgers? No. No. They barely survive with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers saves them every week. Brett Hundley is not going to save them. No. What do you think their record ends up being at the end of the year? I think They're maybe, not going to make the playoffs. I think they'll go 6-10, 7-9, and, and nine, which just sucks because I love it. The league is better when Aaron Rodgers is playing. Yeah, yeah they're not going to make the playoffs. That division's good. The Vikings are good. The Lions are good. That They're not making the playoffs. No. I mean, I think... It's, it, it, it really stinks because Aaron Rodgers is one of the best talents we've ever seen, and we're going to miss the entire year of him. He's going to get a year older. It's like Andrew Luck. Oh, Andrew yeah. Luck is a good talent, and he's just been gone. Like, Yikes. Yeah, it's been, it's been tough. Last question, will the Browns ever be good? If they stop drafting stupidly. like They're t- trying too hard. They have, there are bigger problems in an NFL locker room and on an NFL field than your quarterback. Yeah, like <laughs> – you can survive with a mediocre quarterback for years, and everybody's and build that. around him. Look at the Jaguars. Yeah, they've stuck with Blake Bortles, who's been terrible. His he's thrown more pick sixes than he has wins in his career. But they built a team around him that makes him not look as bad. Yeah how do how does that draft room go? Like, are they sitting there and they're like, okay, we have this number one ranked offensive tackle. You know, that would be a good, smart thing to do. Like, we, he could protect a quarterback, and then maybe we could trade for another offensive tackle and then build an offensive line. Then we can run the football and keep our defense off the field. No, let's drop the quarterback. And they're like, wait, but there's this quarterback, right, that threw up decent numbers at, at this school. And, you know, I love Brandon Whedon, but, you know, just so throw this out there. the Browns. Right? Like, let's draft this quarterback. He's 27. But... 
He's really good. Let's draft him with no offensive line. He has no mobility. What What do you expect to happen? Everybody's like, Brandon Wheaton's terrible. Brandon Wheaton never got a chance. That's true. He's snapping the ball and throwing it away because they're I mean, right there. I mean, it's just where any like quarterback goes to die. Their career just goes to die right there. Yeah, I mean. Hey, the, the Browns are so bad that Brock Osweiler couldn't play for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's terrible in, in Cleveland for them right now. I mean, when are they going to learn that the, the model is out there? The Rams did it. The Raiders did it. The Cowboys did it. These teams have elite offensive lines now. These teams were bad, got elite offensive lines, are good. Hey, Seahawks, are you listening? You need you have a franchise quarterback. Protect him, please. Yeah, when when like when are the Browns going to do that? When are the, get the offensive line? Yeah, Duke Johnson's a capable running back. Yeah, give it to him forty times a game. Keep the defense off the field. Your defense is terrible. The defense is better than the offense. Yeah, but I mean, keep like, him off the field. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser never really had a chance. And I mean, even Brian Kelly said when he left for the NFL, he's not ready for the NFL. When they started him anyway, when they had Cody Kessler, he's not a great quarterback, but he's at least decent enough to win you a game or two. Yeah. But I think they're so far gone now. I I really do not think they're going to win a game this year. No, they picked the I thought the I, I thought realistically I thought the Jets might be the team that doesn't win a game. But now they've won 3 somehow. Yeah. The Browns are taking the cake. The the Browns are going to get the number 1 pick again and they're going to draft a quarterback and the cycle is going to continue. The Browns are going to get the number 1 pick. They're going to draft Sam Darnold. He's going to be terrible. Here's, Weird. Here's my thing. And I also, I think Colin Cowherd mentioned this on his show last week. He was talking about this. You know, the, you know, the Browns with how bad they are. And then you have guys like Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. Those guys are juniors. They could go back for another year. If you see that the Browns have the number 1 pick, stay in school if you're a junior quarterback. Unfortunately, Mason Rudolph has no choice. Yeah. And that hurts me as a fan. And it's not like that that's probably where he's going to end. It's up. not like baseball, which you know, baseball the you know the teams have so many picks that coming back for your senior year is the most stressful decision in the world because mm-hmm. you're sacrificing so much money because you know like they're gonna they're gonna draft you senior year and be like here you go and you're like this is nothing like what are you gonna do like you're stuck <laughs> like what are you gonna do about it like go to the YMCA and like play pickup like no you're gonna come play. You know, for the Mets or for whoever, like, you're not just going to say no. You have to take what they give you. Your junior year, you could say, no, nah, that's not enough. You know, I can go back. The NFL, they don't care. Like, senior, you're going to get the money. So, if you have a good offensive line and you look at that, come back. Sam Bradford, when he went back, he didn't have an offensive line. What is he doing? Yeah. Like, and, and that's the Sam Bradford thing. Everywhere he's gone, he's been an elite quarterback. But as soon as he gets touched, he gets hurt. Yep. And they're just guys that, that are like that. And build they're just like, some players that are just that, and that way. That's what the Browns are going to have to do. They have to build an offensive line. If I see them take another quarterback in this draft, they should be disbanded from football. Put a new expansion team in. You know, I don't care where you put them. Put them in Mexico. The Mexico Browns. That's <laughs> totally fine with me. And they're probably going to have to change the name. Yeah, I was about if, to say, <laughs> in Mexico. Um, that would probably be not the greatest name ever for... Yeah, that probably would be bad. It would turn into, like, a running joke into, like, <laughs> something else. And so, I don't know what they would have to change the name to. But nobody's going to watch them. Just like nobody watches Cleveland. At least somebody will be proud of them, right? Because, like, Mexico would be like, yeah, we have a football team. Cleveland's like, we play basketball and baseball. <laughs> like, don't watch our football team. <laughs> 
And it, yeah. it's going to stay like that. And so if they if they draft another quarterback, I'm all for getting rid of them and just letting them start over somewhere else. Rele- relegate them. <laughs> I don't know where you relegate them do to. What, do what they did when our model moved the team. Just, just move, move the team again, get the expansion draft, move them back, and see what happens. Yeah, it's just it's a dumpster fire, and they've been that way for years. And I've just been waiting, like, are they ever going to figure it out? And it doesn't look like they're going to. No. That's all I got for today. You got any any parting thoughts on anything we've talked about today, or anything to look forward to? Yeah, I mean, I'd say you know, go to go go on your online store, pick up a Maryland T-shirt for this weekend, pick up a Syracuse T-shirt for this weekend, root hard for them. Um, you know, rewind the podcast. I'm 100% guaranteeing every line we just took. You're going so, blood guarantee on all of them? Yeah. Wait, let's get a lock, right? All right. Let's get a lock for the weekend. Um, I'm going to give I'm going to give you guys my one lock of college football and then my one NFL lock. So my one lock of college football is going to be the Maryland 24. I'm taking Maryland and the, the 24 points. I mean, there's no way Wisconsin covers that game. All right, my lock of the week is Alabama minus 34. Is it 34? 35. Or 30? Minus 35 against Tennessee. Tennessee's not going to score in this game. That is my bold prediction. They are not going to score. Even when Alabama puts in their like marching band in at the end of the game because they're up by so much, it's not going to matter. In, in the games at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath, and it would not surprise me if Butch Jones doesn't even get on the flight home because he gets fired on at midfield. Wouldn't that be hilarious if they get Nick Saban to fire him at midfield after the game? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to find uh, NFL odds, but I can't. They, they usually don't post those spreads for a while. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Normally they're within a field goal. Oh, yeah, because they have all the... Yeah. Okay, well, my lock in the NFL this week is going to be New Orleans at Green Bay. Um, I think that Green Bay is going to really struggle. New Orleans offense is starting to really heat it up, and I don't think that game's going to be close. I don't know what the spread's going to be, but take New Orleans in that game. I'm going bold here. My lock of the week is Chicago against Carolina. I, I think Mitch Trubisky's pretty good. I think I, this might be stupid, but I don't really care because if, it's, if I'm right, then I'm going to look like a genius, and that's all I care about at this point. <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to go with Chicago in an upset here against Carolina. To me, just Cam Newton's just too inconsistent. And I think, and they're just making the offense comfortable enough for Mitch Trubisky to where he's going to throw the ball 20 times, and it's going to be fine. They gave the ball to Jordan Howard 36 times in the last game. He ran for buck 70. So you got a solid running back. you got a quarterback still trying to figure it out, but he's mobile enough and he's athletic enough to make plays outside the pocket. Their defense is pretty solid. I think I think Chicago at home can win that game. I think it'll be close, but I think they can win. All right, and then last thing, let's do a uh, take a little piece from college game day. Let's do a super dog pick. Okay, um, this is winning outright. Uh, all they have to do is be favored by I think it's seven or more points, something like that. Yeah. Um, so let's see, my super dog pick. Hmm, this is a tough week for this. I'm going to go Colorado at Washington State. Super dog. Ten and a half points spread for Washington State. Rainy day in Pullman. Colorado has an elite running back. Bring it on. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, man. Who am I going to go with for my super dog this week? You know, I think that Auburn-Arkansas game is going to be closer than we think. Just because it's in 
God, I just don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Auburn will win that game, but I'll take Arkansas to get the points. That's not super dog. They gotta win. You're taking them. You're taking Colorado. I didn't. I'm know. taking Colorado to beat Washington State. I've seen the way they do the super dog. They just pick them to cover the spread. I know. That's uh, not our super that's dog. Not, okay. We're picking okay. upset of the week here. Upset of the week. Okay. That that's different than the super dog. Okay. You know. I I think I I I don't believe in Charlie Strong enough at uh, South Florida. I feel like they're gonna slip up at one point. On the road at Tulane, I'll take uh, Tulane plus 11 and a half in that one. And I, th- I think that will be the game to kind of, you know, figure out, who okay, who's going to be the group of five team that, that does it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, take, I'll take Tulane in that one. I like that. If they have that fighting green wave thing on their helmet, they <sighs> competed with OU for got, a little while. Got to be the ugliest mascot thing I've like ever him. seen. I like him. I think, it's, he's, it's I think he looks tough. All right, well, I think that can wrap up our first show. I think it went pretty well. But we just got to, you know, let's see how our picks go this week. You know, I'm, yeah. I don't know. We'll have to keep track of that. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, thank you for those of you that wa- that uh, listened here. And I hope you tune in next week as well for the next episode of Bush League. I'm Joel Penfield. I'm Trey Cobb. And we'll see you all next time.